take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. How do you treat your Bible? Like an ordinary book or like the treasure that it is? Your answer can impact your life for eternity. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah turns to Psalm 19 for a look at the Bible and two other ways in which God reveals himself to mankind. With a special message from the series, God, I Need Some Answers, here's David to introduce, How Can One Book Change My Life? Well, we wanted to run this series because it's just an underlining, again, uh, this particular message of the primary place the Bible has in what we do here at Turning Point. It's the Bible that we teach. It's the Bible that has all the power. It's the Bible that ministers to your life. It's not me. It's my application of the Bible. And it's the Scripture that makes all the difference. And that's why we've asked this question, how can one book change my life? And we're going to study what Psalm 19 says about this. This is a very special portion of God's Word that's associated, really, with the Jeremiah Study Bible, because this is the passage that I write in the front whenever I sign a Bible. It's Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Even though we're done with the series on angels, you can still get the book, Angels, uh, from Turning Point. It's available uh, through the end of July. All you have to do is send a gift. Send a gift of any size, and we'll send you uh, this book. You know, the people have long been fascinated by stories of angels. We've just been teaching what the Bible says, and this book captures it all. So be sure and ask for your copy of the book, Angels, when you send your gift to Turning Point. I hope you'll get your copy while it's still available during the month of July. Then don't forget, friends, October the 5th, we're going to be in Tampa, Florida at the Yingling Center. October the 7th in Jacksonville, Florida at the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. October 26th in Houston, Texas at the Berry Center. October 28th in Fort Worth, Texas at Dickey's Arena. Tickets for these events are available from Turning Point. They became available during the month of July. You can order them now. We will have these tickets sent right to your home, and you'll have them when the event comes to your community. It's our desire to have you come, and let's restart this engine and get this thing going again as we try to reach this nation for the Lord. Once again, the tickets are free, but you must have a ticket. So let's open our Bibles now to Psalm 19. And let's just uh, revel in the wonderful truth of the power of the Bible. After captivating an audience at Yale University, the late novelist Anne Rand was asked by a reporter 
What's wrong with the modern world? Without a moment's hesitation, she replied, quote, Never before has the world been so desperately asking for answers to crucial questions, and never before has the world been so frantically committed to the idea that no answers are possible. To paraphrase the Bible, wrote this agnostic, the modern attitude is, Father, forgive us, for we know not what we are doing, and please don't tell us. <laughs> End of quote. Pretty perceptive statement for an acknowledged agnostic. Many of us would criticize her, but we must be careful, because if we're honest, we would all admit that there's a part of all of us that do want a word from God, but we're really not sure we want the word of God. We know enough to own a Bible, but not enough for the Bible to own us. We pay the Bible lip service, but we fail to give it life service. A survey that was taken by the Barna Research Organization pointed out that only 18% of those who call themselves born-again Christians read the Bible every day. In fact, more frightening than that, when they finished the survey, they discovered that 23% of those who profess to be Christians say they never read the Bible at all, ever. In a world where the only absolute is the idea that there are no absolutes, we really need to recover the realization that God has spoken and there is absolute truth. No wonder some wags said that the worst dust storm in history would happen if all the church members who were neglecting their Bibles dusted them off simultaneously. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's a possibility. The thing I'm encouraged about today as I read this psalm is that God has not left us without answers. He has revealed himself to us. Isn't that incredible? That the God who created the world, the God who is our creator, has taken the time and the effort to reveal himself to us so that we could know him. In fact, this psalm is about God's revelation of himself to man. It's wonderful as it points out the three areas where God has chosen to reveal himself. First of all, God has revealed himself in the skies, says the psalmist. Then he has revealed himself in the scriptures. And finally, and most practically, God has revealed himself in our very soul. The progress of the psalm is from God's natural revelation in the world to God's specific revelation in his word. There is not a better testimony to God's love for his people than the 19th psalm, which tells us how God has loved us and how he has revealed himself to us. In the skies, we see his glory. In the scriptures, we see his greatness. And in our soul, we sense his grace. So I want you to walk with me through the words of this psalm today as we ask ourselves the question, how could one book change anybody's life? Before we get to that book, we need to walk past that revelation of God in glory in the skies. We've all memorized, if we've been to church very long, some of these words. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. 
And in the eighth psalm, it talks about the moon and the stars. Somebody said, that's the night psalm. In this psalm, it talks about the sun in the heavens. That's the day psalm. Whether it's night or day, God through his creation has revealed himself to us. And while this is not the main focus of what I want to share with you today, we can't pass over these six verses without making some observations about God's revelation of himself in the skies. Please note, first of all, that this revelation is an undeniable message. He says, in the heavens and in the firmament, he has shown forth his handiwork. The word firmament really means the expanse of God's creation. It's as if God has written in the sky, everywhere you look, a finger that points back to the creator so that no matter where you go in this great universe, all you have to do is but look up and there is an undeniable testimony to the creator God. Not only is this revelation of God in the skies an undeniable message, but read on and discover that it's an unending message. It says, night unto night, And day unto day, God showeth forth his power. It's like the day takes the glory of God and hands it off to the night. And the night lets it shine, and when it's finished, it hands it off back to the day. So whether it's day or night, God is always sending out his message that he is the powerful creator of the world. Not only is it undeniable and unending, but it is universal. Read what the psalm says. There is no speech, says the psalmist, nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In the New Testament, the writers pick up on the 19th Psalm, especially Paul in the book of Romans. And he's trying to demonstrate in his writing in Romans chapter 1 that all of the world is guilty before God. One of the most often asked questions, especially if you get into college groups and where people feel like they can really go for your jugular vein as a teacher, they want to know about the heathen in Africa. They want to know about the people who've never heard about Jesus Christ in India or in some part of the globe where the world message of the gospel has not been spoken. And you know what Paul said? Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that, says the writer, they are without excuse. I don't pretend to comprehend all of that, but I've read enough stories from the mission field. I've read enough testimony from men and women who've gone to places where nobody has ever told them about Jesus Christ. And as they have, in their animistic ways, tried to worship the sun and the stars, the moon, they've come to the realization that there has to be something beyond that, something behind it. And in their searching for the truth behind the creation, God has brought them into an encounter with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying is that there's enough revelation in God's creative work so that if man would just follow the revelation God has given him, it would take him to the knowledge of who God is. But what have we done? Once again, Paul says we've taken the creation and we've worshipped the creation instead of the creator. 
And so all over the world, wherever you see pagan people, you see them bowing down to the sun, bowing down to the moon, worshiping the stars. And by the way, we worship the stars in this country, don't we? Well, the psalmist wants us to understand that God has spoken in the skies and he's told us the story of his glory. Not only is it an undeniable message and an unending message, but it is universal. It is everywhere. In fact, I love what the psalmist has said. He says, their line has gone throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. This is the surveyor's line. And the psalmist gives us the picture of the surveyor surveying all the world. And when he finished surveying all the world, there's no place where God's testimony in his creative work has not been preached. I wish I had time to talk to you about the center of the psalmist's picture in the sun, S-U-N. But we must hasten on to the next section. God's wonderful message told in the glory of the skies. But secondly, God's wonderful message told in the greatness of the scriptures. Beginning at verse 7, the psalmist switches his gear from talking about the creation into talking about the written word. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And if you read those verses again, you will discover that there are six groups of three. The psalmist is clever and creative in helping us to understand how powerful is this book we call the Bible. He tells us, first of all, that it is a book which cannot be described in one word. So go down through your Bible and look at the words he uses. He talks about the law and the testimony and the statutes and the commandments and the fear and the judgments. These are all the titles of the word of God which are listed for us here in the 19th Psalm. Down through the centuries, the Bible has always been something that has been hated and scorned. It is something that has created a great deal of opposition and men have gone out of their way to try to abolish it. Voltaire's satire and Ingersoll's slander and Hitler's soldiers and Bishop Pike's skepticism, all of this has turned to be human hammers that are broken on the anvil of God's word. They wear themselves out on the Bible and they never seem to get anywhere. Through the centuries, emperors have demanded the destruction of the Bible. Church leaders have placed their superstitious traditions over it. Smart seminary professors have written it off as being beneath their sophisticated scholarship. But the Bible, defiantly, victoriously, convincingly, still stands. The Bible's pages continue to tell the grace of God. And the message remains the only inerrant, infallible, complete revelation that man has ever gotten from his living God. And so today we look back on history and all the critics and we realize that in a strange way Moses has outlived Voltaire. And Isaiah has outlasted Ingersoll. And the apostles have outsmarted the agnostics. And the prophets have overpowered the professors. And the Bible still stands as God's wonderful message to man. The six titles tell us of the majesty of God's word. But after the six titles, after reading of the law and the testimony and the statute and the commandment and the fear and the judgments, we see the six descriptions. 
Read back through that text again and you will discover that here the Bible is described in six ways. It is perfect. It is sure. It is right. It is pure. It is clean. And it is true. I wish I had time to take every one of those descriptions and tell you all of the truth that's wrapped up in them. The Bible is perfect. The Bible is sure. You can count on it. The Bible is right. It's always right. The Bible is pure. The Bible is clean. And the Bible is true. The law, the testimony, the statutes, the commandments. Perfect, pure, clean, true. The psalmist literally uses 18 different expressions to try to get to our attention the importance of centering our thoughts on God's word. But the last six words have to do with its effectiveness. Does it really change your life? I mean, come on, pastor. I know you're paid to say stuff like this, but does the Bible really change your life? I remember reading a story about a an old lady who lived way back in the country. One day, there was a knock at her door, and it was a vacuum cleaner salesman. He came into her house and began to give the woman his high-pressure sales talk. He said, Madam, I've got the greatest product you've ever seen. This vacuum cleaner will eat up anything. In fact, if I don't control it, it will suck the carpet right off your floor. Before the woman could do anything or say anything, he said, I want to give you a demonstration. He went over to the fireplace, scooped out some of the ashes and threw them in the middle of the carpet. Then he took a bag that he carried in with him and some dirt and threw it on top of the ashes. Some more junk on top of that. And after making a thorough mess, he said, Madam, I want you to watch this vacuum cleaner at work. I guarantee it will suck up everything I've thrown on your rug. The woman, kind of overwhelmed by this, stood there aghast, speechless. And the salesman went on to say, Lady, if it doesn't suck up every bit of this, I will personally eat it all with a spoon. The woman looked at the salesman and finally found her voice. She said, Well, sir, start eating. We ain't got no electricity. (laughs) I wish I could have been there to watch, don't you? Somebody always needs to get caught like that when they do that sort of thing. But it kind of reminds me that before you pitch a product, you better be dead sure you can deliver, right? (laughs) For whatever reason. Let me tell you, I am absolutely certain about what I'm going to say to you about the scripture. I know this is true. This is what the Bible will do for you. The psalmist says, it will restore your soul. (laughs) Refreshing your inner life like food does your body. The King James says, converting the soul. And that reminds us that there is no way that you can even come to know God apart from the scriptures. But the one thing the Bible will do for you that you can't find any other book that will ever do for you is the Bible will deal with your soul. The Bible will deal with the real you, not the external facade that you walk around in, but the real you. The Bible will get down deep into where you live and help you to understand who you are. And if you take it at face value, you will discover that this book begins to refresh you and restore you. Sometimes there's a little bit of tearing down first, isn't there? Sometimes the Bible has to tear out all that's bad so that it can begin to build up that which is good. But I promise you that I know this book will do that. It will restore your soul. Keep reading. Not only will it restore your soul, 
But the Bible will renew your mind. The psalmist says that it makes wise the simple. It gives practical guidance to the inexperienced. Did you know, men and women, that there is wisdom in this book for every situation you face? I found help in this book for my family. I found help in this book for my financial challenges. I found help in this book for health, believe it or not. The book has some very interesting principles about health. I found help in this book about discipline. I've discovered some hard truths in this book about the fact that the Christian life doesn't just descend upon you, that godliness comes through discipline. This book makes you wise. The psalmist says, it will rejoice your heart, bringing delight and pleasure to you when you obey it. It rejoices your heart. You know, I've understood that a lot more in recent days than ever before. Do you know this book is filled with truth that sometimes it just kind of explodes in your heart and you cannot contain yourself. Uh, I sometimes go to a special place, and I'm not going to tell you where it is, but I have a special place that I go to. It's beautiful, beautiful water and mountains. I go there to read the Bible and to pray. And you know what? Sometimes when I've been reading the Bible and I'm all there by myself, I forget where I am. And I just, I start having a party. I get so excited about what I've read. I just want to shout and sing and beep the horn. I don't know, you know, just whatever you can do. Because the word of God rejoices your heart. Oh, I know there are times when the word of God works you over. But there are all so many times when you study the Bible and really come to grips with its truth. Just gets in your soul and it makes you happy. And if you haven't known that, it's because you haven't gotten into the book. Keep reading. What else will it do? It renews your mind. It rejoices your heart. It'll refocus your vision. The psalmist says that the Bible enlightens the eye, illuminating the dark. Do you know what this book has done for me? It's helped me to stay off of a lot of dead-end streets. It's given me wisdom and knowledge so that I've had kind of, I've always said to my wife, it's a sixth sense. No, it's not. It's a biblical sense. It's the awareness of biblical principles that I may not even pull out at the time that I've learned and that I've been taught and that I've read. And when I start to go in a direction, there's an uncomfortable feeling that comes and I get my focus changed and it's refocused now because God's word has helped me. If you want to have a biblical lifestyle, it's not about a bunch of rules and a whole list of do's and don'ts. It's about getting into the book and the word of God will get into the sinews and the flesh of your being. So that when you start to walk in a direction, the word of God will keep you from getting into trouble. How many of you would like to have the ability to read the word of God to such a degree that you'd have a sense when somebody's trying to put a scam on you? Somebody's trying to take you down a dead-end street, take your money, take away the things that are important to you. How many of you would like to read the Word of God so much that when you see your children heading in a direction, you just have a sense that that's not good? You can sit them down and help them understand. That's what this book will do. It'll refocus your vision. And then it says it'll remain forever. The Word of God is eternal. You know, I thought about this week. If God allows His Son to tarry His coming... He doesn't come for another 50 years. They'll still be preaching this same book 50 years from now 
and applying its truth to that generation, and it will be just as accurate and just as powerful as it is today because it is a timeless book. The principles live on. You know, most of the books we buy today, they're outdated in a couple of months. A lot of the people that I talk with in the medical field and in the engineering field say they have to keep reading and reading because the stuff they read last month is already dated. But the Word of God is timeless. It remains forever. You know, this is one of the great, wonderful, uh, it's almost a miracle. You can be reading the Bible, going through something in your life, and right there in the Scripture is exactly what you needed to hear from God. And it was written so many years ago, yet it's timeless. It's a miracle book. It really is. My friend um, Satish Kumar, who pastors the largest church in the world, uh, Calvary Temple in India, whenever he goes to preach, he always does this. He stands up, holds the Bible up, and he says, All other books are for information. This book is for transformation. And then he preaches. And he's absolutely right. The Bible is a transforming book. If you're not reading the Bible, if you don't have your Bible uh, ready to be used and using it regularly, you should start. Uh, We have a bunch of people in our church who are writing copies of the book of Romans in their own handwriting so they can get the Word of God in their heart and not forget it. We need to be disciplined, but if we are, the rewards from the Bible are very rich and they're enduring I hope you understand that. That's why we focus everything we do on the Scripture. We have no other subject but the Word of God, because we believe that the Word of God is transformational. Well, tomorrow we'll finish up what we started today, How Can One Book Change My Life? Friday, we're going to talk about what can I do when trouble overwhelms me? Right now, we need to say our goodbye and hope you'll join us next time right here on This Good Station. For more information on today's message from Dr. Jeremiah's series, God, I Need Some Answers, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine turning points and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's book, Angels, Who They Are and How They Help what the Bible reveals. It will help you separate fact from fiction about angels, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to instantly access our content. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue our message from the series, God, I Need Some Answers, here on Turning Point. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. Scientists have shown with animals in the laboratory that reducing the numbers of calories they consume lengthens their lifespans. Over a lifetime, the less digestive work the body has to do, the longer it seems to last. 
This appears to be one instance in which less is more. The Bible also notes a situation in which less is more, or less is wiser might be a better way to put it. Proverbs 10, 19 suggests that the more we talk, the more likely we are to sin. It concludes by saying, he who restrains his lips is wise. Sometimes there is wisdom in words and sometimes not. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's powers of restraint on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.